Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So, okay. Well, hi ho, everybody. I don't know. I've never started a show that way before. This is Mental Health Comedy. I'm the Hebrew Hurricane Ed Krasnick, and I'm your co host along with me. And coming up shortly, my partner, my friend, co host, Jennifer Kalari child and family therapist who actually has skills, um, which is really what the show is about. This is the show where comics and entertainers talk about learn and practice mental health skills. Mental health is a topic, huge topic, but it is also a practice. This is the interesting thing. Everybody talks about it. Very few people show you actually what to do in order to have mental health you don't get to Carnegie Hall by talking about it. It's a practice. Otherwise, we're doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And here we are, America. So there's nothing better than comedy and mental health. Let's put the funk in dysfunction. Here we go. Today's show is a great one. I'm actually really very excited about this. And I haven't been excited since my bar mitzvah. An old friend returns comic, writer, film critic, Cecily Nobler. And along with Cecily, another old friend, author of Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay, comic, co-host of For Crying Out Loud with Lynette Carolla and Stephanie Wilder-Taylor. Cecily and Stephanie have their own podcast, Hysterical, called Bored AF, where you find your podcast. You should listen to that because it's really funny. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things today on today's show. We're gonna, it's going to be a celebration of one of the most misunderstood emotions, anger. We're going to talk about anger. Al Pacino is now doing a masterclass on anger. We have a clip. It's Al Pacino's masterclass on anger. Okay, so the folks at masterclass approached me to give a masterclass on anger. First of all, I don't teach, I act. So right away, it makes me want to take a flank floor to this whole fucking idea. I said no. And then, oh boy, they compliment me on seven decades of iconic films. Hoo-ha. They said I could do it in my kitchen where I keep my cereal in broad daylight when my cat plays with a toys. Okie dokie, I said. <clears throat> anger. Hey, look. I mean, it's easy to get angry. I'm having trouble here recording this damn thing on my phone. I still don't understand how my phone knows what I'm saying, let alone records it. This is one crazy day. A few points of interest about anger. You gotta feel it. Feel! Express! Don't fight. Personally, I'm a fan of anger. Anger, my friends, is a gateway emotion. Oh, yeah. It sits on top of other feelings. Is that nuts? Yeah. So you got to be open and go blow the lid off every once in a while. When I did Supercool, for example, this is a guy who didn't want to take a payoff. I'm telling you straight. Be aware of what you feel. Check in. Don't check out. you got to get a real life payoff. If you follow these instructions, that's the truth. I say feel it. Move through it. Celebrate it! 
Nobody does it better than Al Pacino, unless, of course, you're Kevin Pollack, one of the world-class master impressionists, a great actor, from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, my friend, the always marvelous Kevin Pollack. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's National Take Your Anger to Unemployment Week. Mental health and movies, we're also going to talk about that. Movie therapists, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is a fun show. Subscribe and share, and, and please do that. I've had a lot of people tell me this week, as a matter of fact, I listened, I loved it, I'm using the skills Jennifer's talking about, and it's working. I've had many people tell me that. So go to Make Light Media, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T, makelightmedia.com or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Social media pages are up, everything's up, and, and tell us about your mental health. Tell us about what's going on in your life. Tell us a skill that you have, something that's working for you, what's right with this picture. Ask about our mental health potholders. Mental health is hot potholders, I'm not kidding. If you wanna write us, write to makelightmedia.com, M-A-K-E-L, makelightmedia.com. Now, we always welcome listeners in, no matter where you're at emotionally, here are emotional shout outs. If you read How to Be Your Own Best Friend and you were stumped, welcome. If you're not wild about accessing your inner badass, welcome. If during your meditation you breathe like Darth Vader, if you don't know what to do with your free time now that you've stopped controlling everything, welcome. If your mind wandered while reading The Power of Now, welcome. If you need a neck brace due to whiplash from watching all the violence in America, welcome. If you're playing emotional twister and you keep landing on right foot depression, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, welcome. There's always a place for you right here on Mental Health Comedy. A sponsor today, I'm so excited, Comb Over. And this is uh, after my own heart because I'm certainly doing this with my hairline. Combover is a new sponsor. Combover is a new app that allows you to comb over destructive or manipulative content on social media and YouTube. It actually erases and customizes the ads that are not helping you and sucking the life from others. This includes anybody promoting sunglasses on my Facebook page or trying to sell anything. Combover combs over energetically and energetically senses whether the intention is helping or hurting. Combover. It doesn't look good because it isn't. We shall overcome with comb over. Okay, there we go. Um, okay, now I want to bring in Jennifer. Jennifer Kalari, a Jennifer's child and family therapist who does amazing work with kids and practical skills. I love the skills that she comes up with for, for everyday life. Her organization is called ConnectedParenting.com. Classes, services, content, media, skills to help you and your family. Jennifer, anger. Let's talk a little bit about anger, one of the most misunderstood emotions and one yeah. of the most prevalent. Yes. Let's, All right. Yeah. Let's do that. I also want to say to people too, like connected parenting is really about learning to parent yourself too. It's for all of us. It's for adults. And, and part of learning to do that is learning to understand all your different emotions. So I always say that we're sort of a chronically immature society right now. And there, there's a lot of learning and growth that we have to do. So we have to learn to become our own parents in a lot of ways. And I think one of the biggest problems we have in our culture is we don't feel our feelings. We're afraid to feel our feelings. So we want to stuff them down. We want to ignore them. We want to drink something. We want to smoke something. We want to watch something. We want to buy something. There's this chronic sense that feelings are not to be felt. 
But when you ignore feelings, they get bigger and they'll keep knocking on the door and they'll keep finding other ways to communicate with you and they get less and less pretty as that happens. So to simplify things, we really only have two emotions, love and fear. And then fear takes all kinds of different, it has all kinds of different disguises. So it, it can be fear, it can be anxiety, it can be anger, it can be jealousy, it can be gossiping, it can be anything that you're doing from a place of fear because you're afraid is an emotion that we need to feel and we need to understand and we need to learn to control those feelings so they don't control us, but they're not necessarily bad. Feelings are there to tell us stuff. It's our emotional GPS system and we have to learn to listen. So anger is one of those things that gets a little bit of a bad rap. Certainly anxiety is the flip side of fear, essentially. So fear, you know, it's fight, flight, or freeze. And anger is certainly an emotion. If you're angry, you're at least on the map somewhere. Like you're fighting a little bit. You're in the game. You want to do something. Whereas anxiety, you're, you're, you know, there's action, but you're really scared to do anything. And then depression, you're like, I'm out. You know what? I'm just going to lie here. I'm going to lie on the floor. I can't get any lower. I'm just going to lie here. So at least with anxiety, you're, you're, I mean, with anger, you're, um, you got some action and, and anger actually feels better in the body than anxiety does and certainly than depression does and there's certainly a place for anger and anger is self-protective it's it's trying it loves you it wants to protect you and it wants to stand up for you and like any other emotion you have to learn how to control it so when anger controls you you're in trouble but when you can control your anger and it's what's called healthy aggression then that's actually a really good thing and a healthy thing to understand how to use how do you teach kids this? What, what you work a lot with kids and families. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that this, this comes up a lot between kids and parents, parents and kids, and between you and yourself. Is there a skill or a tip or a way to kind of have an early warning system or an awareness of anger? Because anger is a gateway emotion, right? It sits mm -hmm. on top of other feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so there's other stuff underneath usually. So anger is a tricky one because for a lot of us, it's a flash and for kids it's especially like a flash it just happens so even recognizing that it's starting to build is something you have to work with your child and help them begin to recognize you know am i clenching my fists am i changing my breathing and how do i feel in my tummy and you kind of get them to, to to do what's called body talk and listen to how your body's talking to you but really kids learn by example they learn by watching us right so if we're yelling which we it's a very popular parenting technique yelling but it's not really that effective and if it was there'd be a lot of very well-behaved kids in the world. It really doesn't work. And we know this because I don't think anyone has ever been yelled at or screamed at or bawled out or reprimanded and you've gone, oh, thank you. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you so much. I'm going to fix it. Like it, anger just doesn't work that way. So when we're walking around yelling in our own homes, our kids are watching us and going, well, she's 40 and she can't figure it out. So I'm six. So there's no chance that I'm going to figure it out. So I'm just going to yell too, right? The biggest answer to that is to control our own anger. You show your kids that it's possible. And that's doing things like walking away when you're feeling released and not walking away like, I can't take this anymore. I'm leaving. Fend for yourselves. It's, it's, I'm I don't like how I sound right now. I don't like the sound of my voice. I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to go through some strategies. I'm going to do some breathing. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to look at pictures of my baby book, whatever, um, to try and calm down. Right? So, so yelling, here's the tip for yelling. If what you're saying, if you're angry and what you're saying to someone feels fantastic, it's wrong. Okay. Think about it that way. 
it should feel restrained. It should feel like, oh, you're like holding it back. You should feel it like being stuffed down. As long as you feel like that, that's how you know your frontal lobe is on the part of the brain that inhibits and organizes and prioritizes and takes perspective. That's how you know your frontal lobe is actually inhibiting. But if you are free flowing, yelling, and it feels fantastic, you're being an asshole. That's the best way I can explain it. Wow, that's a good title for a book too. It feels like this, you're being an asshole. That'll sell a lot of copies in today's world. That'll get a lot of attention. Well, they, the, the, so, okay, that's a great thing because that's reverse wiring, reverse engineering. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that. It feels good, so it must be right. Well, it's not right. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's, it's not right. Are you actually saying out loud to yourself, I don't like the sound of my voice yes. right now? Yeah, you can say it to yourself, to your spouse, to your kids. So for parents, it gets so frustrating and it's so hard sometimes. And yelling is just something that happens. And I don't want people to think, oh my God, I've ruined my kid by yelling. Kids will survive. It's just, you don't want that to be your primary parenting technique. But you can actually yell without saying anything horrible. You can be, oh, I'm so, you guys have no idea how mad I am right now. I am so upset, but I didn't say anything right? But at least I got it out a little bit. That's better than actually yelling and saying, that's it. I'm, you guys are going to go live at the neighbors. I'm out of here. Or, you know, whatever we say to people that are mad, right? So, so there's little ways that you can kind of use it. And then in the background, there's ways that you can be calming yourself down and monitoring yourself. So you're kind of cooling the whole system. So you don't have that flash. I think there's ways that you can say you're noted, you know, this, this idea of noting what's going on with you and naming it and actually mm -hmm. saying it out loud, these are great like techniques. You can actually say, I don't like the sound of my voice right now. Yeah. I'm upset, I'm really mad, I feel really mad. Yeah. I'm gonna go take care of myself now. Yeah. That's exactly. a perfect thing to say. I'm gonna go take yeah. care of myself. What's the kid learning? Oh, when you have strong emotions, you can actually take care of yourself. Oh, that's interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe that's something I'll try. Well, I want to bring in our guests. Um, these two people, they're, they're so great. I mean, they're great together. They're great separately. They're like a Reese's cup uh, when you put them together. Um, Stephanie Wilder Taylor, I met years ago. Uh, I'm not even going to bring up the show, although it was a good show. Um, but we met years ago. She has written many books on uh, on parenting, and with a with a funny spin, uh, one of them being one of the many being uh, "Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay," great title. She hosts a number of podcasts. One with Lynette Carolla, who I shouldn't have to say that she's related to Adam Carolla, but she is. But the show is very good. It's called "For Crying Out Loud." But the other one is with our other guest who is a returning, a friend and a friend of the shows and a friend of mine, and that's Cecily Nobler, who's also a writer and a great film critic, which I find endlessly fascinating, very funny, very talented. So you put the two of them together, you get this bored AF, which is bored as fuck, and you, and you listen to them talk and it's hysterical. So guys, how are you, first of all, how are you in your, in your own lives, where where place yourself in your in your life right now, Stephanie? You're you're a parent of three kids. I have three. And Cecily, you're a parent of yourself and a beautiful dog. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and so, so that's parenting too. How, where where are you uh, in your lives, and how is it the two friends uh, get together and actually make a good podcast? 
Well, first of all, a lot of pressure from that whole. <laughs> I know there is a lot of pressure, yeah. isn't there? Um, and I'm really angry right now, but I'm not going <laughs> to say anything damaging. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said it. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's yeah, good. I'm, I'm making a choice. Yeah. I it, no, it didn't feel good. That's why how I know I'm not being an asshole right now. Um, <laughs> I, you know, things are, things are okay. Before we started the show, I had to have my kids, and this is just such a, a weird time. I had to tell my kids to please put on headphones for schooling because mommy's doing a mm. show right now. That's just yeah. something so wrong about that. There's something really wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I could, I can hear my kids having school mm -hmm. and here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with this before you get to Cecily, who has a whole, whole different array of problems. Um, <laughs> it's so weird Aww. having kids schooling from home because it really increases anxiety for me because you used to send your kids to school in the morning and then they'd be at school. But now they check in like every 10 minutes. Yeah. Hey, I'm between mm -hmm. classes, what's going on? Like, no, you can't. You're not allowed to ask me that. You're at school right now. And I'm at work right now, but nobody believes anybody. Right. Like, What's <laughs> nobody believes it. It's invisible boundaries. Nobody. It's like it's like you're right next to the person. Yeah. It's like saying, I'm at work right now. And they're exactly. like, you're not mm -hmm. at work unless you have a force field and you're on Star Trek. You're not at work <laughs> at all. Uh, in fact, you're not my mom. You're my teacher. Mm -hmm. um, everybody's roles are mixed up. And we have, you know, anger in America. America is angry. Mm -hmm. America's angry. The world mm -hmm. is angry. The world is suffering a breakdown right now. So there's a lot to there's a lot to deal with, a lot to a lot to figure out. But Cecily, you know, we talked about this before on the show, but you know, mm -hmm. you had open heart surgery. It's not True. you know Who didn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we feel like we're having it. But you actually had it. And you continue to parent right. yourself. Uh, how do you how do you do that? Like how does that how does that work out? I mean you you have health to actually consider we all well, do we all do i mean we, yeah. we all have health stuff but i i i mean I, I we talked about this and jennifer's already been so helpful with things that she's talked about with me with my anxiety but um i hide a lot <laughs> how do i parent myself i don't leave the house for like days on end yeah i put on like like disguises just to even go get my mail because i don't want to talk to my neighbors i guess i'm yeah. doing well <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, like, I think you, you think know, you're doing what America's doing. Nobody, nobody wants yeah. to, you know, yeah, everybody's in there inside. Well, I, I mean, I think COVID for me, we talked about this a little bit as far as what's happened in the last few, few months, six months. I mean, it's terrifying globally on a macro level, but for me, it was sort of like, oh yeah, I don't have to do anything now. I wasn't really wanting to do anything so I can, I can make my depression just look like everybody else. Like, oh, can't go to the thing, COVID, you know? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. It was sure. And, 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 and the two of you, I think sometimes when you're, cl you're close friends and mm -hmm. then you start to do something together, you're doing a show together. So you come mm -hmm. together. Now, what happens if you have an issue with each other? What will happen? How do you deal with it? We I'm curious because I don't, don't, I don't. Yeah. Well, Cecily, uh, one thing to know about Cecily, she's very non-confrontational, which works out very well for me. It works out well for you. Um, you are a little bit, you, I wouldn't call you confrontational, but I would say you, you are outspoken. You're going to talk about something. If a body, I is that right? I am. And she's people, our alpha, yeah. 
people have made jokes about it. it well i think it works that way because i just don't have a mm-hmm. i don't have a problem i've been podcasting so long that i just i don't care i say whatever i think <laughs> um but people make in our facebook group the board af facebook group they often will they laugh about the fact that cecily will be like I mean, I feel like this, but it's totally okay. Like if you you feel a different way, that's so valid. Like that's fine. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, no, you're an asshole if you don't agree with me. And it, both, both are valid, I, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. both are valid. And they and feel they- good. They feel good. I, yeah, it's, that's fine with me because I feel like a lot of people think I'm an asshole in, in different parts of my life. So if there's, a, if there's a, like a, a side of myself that seems nice, yeah, let's go with it. I guess Fine. what we're learning today is it's it's okay to be an asshole um, <laughs> sometimes, and, and that's part you have to accept. And that's the, n- the name of my book: accept your assholiness. Uh, and, and, and I feel like that's not what Jennifer was saying. I don't. No, think it isn't at all. It isn't at all. No, Jennifer. <laughs> clarify that a little. Jennifer, Jennifer friends, <laughs> yeah. friends that get you know certainly f- familial relationships, but. Uh, uh, do, how do these two styles fit together? Somebody who's not, because I, I am more like Ces- Cecily, much more like Cecily. Um, wh- how, how, does that, how does that fit together? Th- that, that can work for friends. Can it work for a marriage? Can it work for other well, it, things? We see it all over the world that the polarizing right it's everywhere you see it in parents one is like oh you know what he just needs a snack he needs a little sleep it's okay and the other one says this is ridiculous this kid needs some rules (laughs) we all polarize and we all swing and so it's always important to be looking towards the middle because that's what good parenting is and good parenting of yourself is but there there is a place for anger and there's a place for healthy anger and aggression and and there's a place for like drawing this circle around yourself where you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's not okay. And the difference is when you say it and it's all charged up and it's like, you can't tell me what to do. And I did so when it has that kind of energy, it's coming from a place of fear. When it's this strong kind of centered, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I, I'm not doing that. That, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You can do that without being an asshole, but be very, very firm in what you're saying. Um, I heard Elizabeth Gilbert do a talk. This was a couple a, a year ago. I was blown away because it was so brilliant. She talked about being what's called a divine female or a divine male, and then what it means to be a profane male and a profane female. So a profane male is like smash and grab. It's mine. I'm going to bully you. I'm going to. We can think of a few people like that in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's sort of I'm taking it. Get out of my way. And then there's the profane female, which is the exact opposite of that. The the profane female is like, oh, it's okay. You know what? Don't don't worry. I'll just I'll just be. I'll just do it. It's okay. It's it's sort of making all kinds of space for the either the profane male or the angry person. It doesn't always have to follow gender lines, of course. It can follow this this idea that we're talking about of emotional polarizing. And I sort of think about like the classic. You can sort of think about the profane male like Archie Bunker, and then Edith Bunker is the mm-hmm. profane female. And then there's the divine male, and that would be like Buddha, right? Or a monk, or you know, some beautiful new age spiritual leader, like, like a male who is very centered in, in who they are and, and the big picture and compassion and empathy, but still very strong and can see you know, the, the, the broader picture. And then this is my favorite, the divine female. She is so awesome. This is a woman who, I basically think of Mary Poppins. She's like, 
I think, the classic. Like, you don't mess with Mary Poppins. She doesn't yell at anybody. Mary Poppins just has to give you a look. And you're like, oh, my God, right? Mm-hmm. So it's having this centered. And, and the way that Elizabeth Gilbert explained it, it's like the lead mare in a, in a, in a group of horses, right? The, the stallions are off doing their own thing. They, they're not leading anything. And the lead mare doesn't fight anyone to become the leader. She just is right? And mm-hmm. the whole pack watches her. And if she twitches, they twitch. And if she's calm, they're calm. It's this centeredness. So whether you're the divine female or divine male, that's where you want to be. And if you can operate, that's and awesome. really, isn't it, isn't it incredible? Jennifer, and you just sort of, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, Mary Poppins, A, not a real person. True. Right. And also the, the Wait, not a real person. Not no, a real she's right. Dead. Mary. No. And also no. those weren't her kids. So it's a lot easier oh, to do it when you're babysitting. You I'm are just saying. So right. Your buttons you're right. do not get pushed in the same way when you're the babysitter and you mm-hmm. leave at the end of the day. You're and you right. can fly and, yeah. and you have an umbrella. <laughs> okay. But I will say this, you're absolutely right. And when it's your own kids, it's very hard. I mean, and it, this doesn't mean you're going to be this all the time. Time. It means that's really what you're going to be kind of aiming for, right? So you're operating mm-hmm. from this place of this centered, um, uh, like just, I don't know, like drawing this strong circle around what's okay and not okay without freaking out. As soon as you freak out, you make it a different thing. Well, when so you right. strongly right. stand there and go, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but no, I'm not going to do that. Or that's not okay for me. You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. Channel Mary Poppins, real or not. So a lot of this is about, mm-hmm. is about going from the fight or flight, the limbic system you, in a brain way. You talk a lot about rewiring the brain. So a lot of it is we're bouncing between the limbic system, the fight, flight, or freeze, and the frontal lobe, which is making choices and being present, Mm -hmm. right? So how do you, are there a trick, you know, is there a trick where you can bring yourself from one to the other? It's, It's interesting. Anger is one of the most difficult emotions to control because it happens so quickly and you're so angry that you're like, I don't care about those strategies. I'm not using anything. It doesn't matter. Like it feels so real and you feel so right in that moment of rage and it's really your brain just trying to protect you it loves you it's trying to take care of you and it doesn't know it's your kid that won't hang their backpack up and a saber-toothed tiger chasing you as long as your heart is racing and you're irritated and starting to breathe quickly the limbic system is very dumb it just airs on the side of caution i don't know what this is so i'm going to assume it's something really dangerous and i'm going to throw her or him into fight or flight which is, and this is, listen, the, what's interesting about the divine female um, profane male thing is, and Elizabeth Gilbert made this point, and it's so interesting, this whole kind of spiritual movement, which is wonderful. I'm not saying it's not great. It is. But women have for centuries been compassionate and taking care of people and taking care of the elderly and the poor and the sick. And we've been doing that forever. And so what happens when you talk about all these wonderful spiritual ideas is that women just feel worse about themselves. Well, now I've read all these books and I just yelled at my kid. So I'm an even more horrible person than I thought I was before, right? So it actually really is. So it's it's very important, actually, I think, um, to find that balance in the middle where you are honoring yourself. If if anyone asks you to do something or talk about something that you don't want to talk about and you get that little gross feeling in your stomach where it's like, oh, I really don't want to do this, but I don't want to make them upset, Mm -hmm. right? You listen to that feeling. Listen to that feeling, and, and that's, that's the clue that you need to say. My body's telling me this doesn't feel good. And that's where you can say, without yelling or screaming, I respect you. I totally appreciate you asking me this. But no, actually, no, that's not going to work for me. 
but you don't have to scream yeah. at how could you ask me that? That's so disrespectful. And a lot of people kind of get defensive and they get, they kind of overdo it when they're trying mm -hmm. to protect themselves. And then that takes you into a whole other territory. So what's neat about the question you asked about how can two friends work on a podcast? First of all, they get each other. They respect each other. Mm -hmm. They understand each other's language. They hopefully are pulling each other to the middle, right? And, and complementing each other instead of conflicting with each other. One thing I really like about yeah. Cecily is that she has, she has strong opinions and she is able to voice her opinions. You know, she's not just, she doesn't just let me steamroll. Like if she disagrees with me, she'll say, you know what? No, I, I don't agree with that. But it never becomes an argument because right. she has a real ability to respect the other person's opinion, but also stand firm in her yeah. beliefs, but also be open to, hey, I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. I could be turned around on this. <laughs> well, that's why I'm pretty say. quick to say that. <laughs> that yeah. and how oh, wonderful. And listen, we should all be like that. Like, we, that would solve a lot of the world's problems if we could all be like that. And people who have strong opinions, they like to be challenged usually. They don't want someone who they come up with their total narcissist, they would. But for the most part, people respect people who can challenge them a little bit. Right, and have an active, interesting right. dialogue. Yeah, That's interesting stuff that you say that because I was going to say too, what I respect about Steph, this really is a love fest. I <laughs> love it. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I, really love, I mean, she's like, she's like my sister, but I honestly, the thing I love about her is that I sometimes feel wishy-washy in my thing. So I'll just say, I just want to be liked. So I'll say whatever. Whereas she calmly really seem is so self-actualized that you know when she has a thought or an idea like she, you know she's not a jerk about it but it just is like she's grounded in it where I feel like I'm kind of floating like yeah but I'll hear your I'll hear your side <laughs> so Mary Poppins <laughs> is real <laughs> yes in many ways but yeah that's it's I like that we like that about each other I love I like that. that that's why the dynamic works nice. I that's have a cool. question though uh, can I Ed I was hoping to be able to ask Jennifer this since we are going to have a real life therapist and yes. I'm currently in therapy. Please, please do it I have okay so I've been sober many years and I've learned a lot of really great tools and tricks for how to contain my emotions. So I was relating to a lot of what you were saying. Um, but I have a real problem when it comes to like getting triggered by things people say online. Mm -hmm. And I know probably the answer is just to stay off of social media. But right <laughs> now I find myself getting genuinely depressed at the horrible yeah. things people say online. And, mm. and I'll see friends of mine engaging with people like on their Facebook wall that I almost want to unfollow half the people that are my friends on Facebook because I get so yeah. mad. I ha I get so mad. And sometimes that's where I can't control. Sure. Like I have a more of an ability to control it. Like win an argument with my husband, then I just get so mad at people online and go, how can you be such an idiot? How do yeah. I control that? And not get so yeah, that's, that's really mad. good. And you know what? It, you're right. It's not as simple as just not looking at it. Cause this is what you do. You need to have so Social media is a big part of what you're doing. The hardest part is online, people feel like it's private and they, they would say things that they would never say out loud when they get it out, right? So they're, it's, it's more than just the comments they're making online. It has to do with their own powerlessness and their own areas where they felt mistreated and everything else. So it becomes a cesspool of just yuck that people are throwing out there. And it really is disheartening. It's really upsetting. And some of them are trolls, you know that. Like some of them are literally people who, this is, this is fun for them. And, and for people who like to start issues like that, 
they're looking for adrenaline. They're looking for the fight. And what happens when somebody fights back, and this is true with kids too, they get a blast of adrenaline. It's just like Vyvanse and, and Adderall. It, it's a stimulant. It stimulates the frontal lobe, bringing the electricity to the frontal lobe, balancing the person, and they're literally medicating themselves by fighting with people. That's why there's so many people who are addicted to drama. Yeah. Right? They, can't, mm-hmm. they, can't, they can't stop because mm-hmm. that's their drug of choice. So part of it is looking at it that way. And I think for you, the biggest thing you have, and I do this too, I have to do this, is you literally have to pan back anyone who is angry. Anyone, I don't care who we're talking about. If they're angry, they're in pain, period. They're afraid and they're in pain because healthy, happy, comfortable people don't do that. They just don't. Taking that stance of like panning back that lens and saying, what is going on with this person? I'm literally, and you can do this with your spouse. You can do this with anyone you're having an argument with. If while they're doing whatever they're doing, yelling, whatever, you're literally thinking to yourself, don't, don't say this out loud because you'll piss them off. But you're, th- <laughs> you're thinking, I'm sorry you're in so much pain. You are so afraid and you are hurting so much that this is the only way you can deal with it. You can do that with your kids. You can do that with the nasty people online. You can do it with your mother-in-law. As soon as you put yourself in that position, you're now panning back the lens. You're now seeing the big picture, which means you're activating your frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe knows how to inhibit. It knows how to take perspective. It knows that if you say something an hour later, you're going to have to apologize. It knows all that. But if you just react and just dive right into it, then your limbic system takes over and it doesn't know it's some troll on your Facebook page or like something that's really threatening and really damaging. So, and this takes practice. You know, Ed always says this. It's all of this is a practice. You're not going to just, because you know it, just start doing it. You, you got to start incorporating it into who you are and how you approach life and how you approach the world. And the only thing you're going to do about all those people, because we can all get so disheartened about how you know, people are so nasty and everyone's so angry and everything's such a mess. The only control you ever have, you don't have control over any conditions. The only control you have is over yourself. So just focus every day on being the fabulous person you want everyone else to be. And if all of us did that, we'd get to, you know, we'd start on the right track. Sometimes it's hard to know though, like let's say you're on a friend's Facebook page mm-hmm. and somebody says something racist to or kind of at your friend or yep. it's hard to know like, well, what, what is standing up? You know, when are you being a coward by just letting it go and right. going, well, I don't want to get involved because, you know, I don't want to feel angry. Exactly. And yeah. It's hard to know sometimes, so, like, should I be saying something even though it's, I'm going to be mad for the rest of the day? Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's really important because it's not easy to draw that circle and, and, and stand up when you need to. But again, this is where we channel Mary Poppins, right? This is where you, cha- you channel that divine female. You don't have to start mm-hmm. yelling back and getting in a fight with the person with capitals and exclamation marks. You calmly in a centered way from a place of love make your comment and then decide what, whatever the person says is their issue. It's so much more about them than it mm-hmm. is about you or even about the person they're insulting. Healthy, happy people don't walk around having to be racist. They don't. They really don't. Yeah. So anytime you can put yourself in a place of, of empathy, I actually feel sorry for that person. There must be so much going on in their lives. There must have been so many things that have happened to them that make them sit in this angry, bitter place. I feel sad for them. 
but still draw that sacred circle. No, I'm sorry, I will not accept that. This is how we, what we think on our show. And this is what I think about that comment. And you just say it and you do it because that's what a good human does. You're doing both at the same time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I'm not even talking about our show because our show is just about like fun stuff. Although I do get triggered by the Real Housewives sometimes. Man, especially <laughs> oh Dorinda. Talk about addicted well, to Dorinda's drama. Leaving, right? I get, They're all addicted to drama. They are, they the, are triggers. So the people watching. I think we all, I think the Real Housewives mm-hmm. can all, we all have a mom, you know, that's like one of them, that has a style like one of exactly. them. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've always said that. And no. it, oh my it can God. feel so triggering. Yeah, it's the That's archetype. Right. In fact, if you could do Real Housewives therapy, you could you could sit around with therapists and watch the show and pretty oh much God, deal with all your mom issues. Awesome. Yeah, I think That's mine is the do. drinking. I think mine, I, I would say yeah. mine has some Dorinda in her, which is why I get so triggered by Dorinda, who just can mm-hmm. never take, it's everything is always other people's fault. And she laughs at people who have a different feeling than she does. she's so sure that she's absolutely correct and doesn't need to take responsibility. And I had a mom who never, ever apologized for anything. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to be somebody who takes responsibility and knows that I can make mistakes. And if I do yell, I give, I apologize. That's, that's amazing. And so, so there's two kinds of people. There's people who get parented a certain way and then they carry that on. It's like a chain of pain. They parent mm-hmm. that way. Chain of pain. Yeah. Great title for or, a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or there's people who are like, I'm never going to make another human being feel like that. I'm going to make it my goal to never let another person feel the way I felt when that happened to me. And I don't know this Dorinda person because I don't know watch that show, but anyone, anyone <laughs> who does, and that's not, it's just not, I just, you're missing out. I'm just saying. I'm, you know what? I might start. Missing. I'm going to start now. Start I'm going to start now. <laughs> but here's what I was going to say. So I don't know about that person, but a, but a person like that, anyone who has to laugh at someone else, right, or, or can never take blame is probably so full of toxic shame and fear of annihilation that they have to feel that way in order to keep surviving. And that's sad. It's right? sad, that's, but it's yeah, also yeah. really annoying to people who have to deal with that person. Of course. And this is where right. the sacred circle comes. This is where you're like, you know what? You're toxic. I'm out. I love you, but I'm not putting up with this. And you don't have to get nasty and call names and you just say, hey, do your thing. I'm out. It's too bad we can't Mm -hmm. do that. Like a lot, most people can't do that with a parent. No, that's when it's family, it's tough. Although, although you can certainly set boundaries around, you know, if you're having an argument with someone, you're like, you know what, this doesn't feel good to me. I'm not, I, I like myself too much to be like subjected to this. I'm leaving. I'll be back later when you're ready to calm down and then leave or walk well, away. And also as you, as you learn yourself, I think as we get old, you know, as we've gotten older, like with, I, you had to set the bound. I had to set boundaries with my mother. Stephanie and I have mm-hmm. talked about that a lot, yep. right? Like I had to move away. I had to move 1400 miles away. We have yep. a better relationship for it. I know the hours that we can't talk because she's taken something, you know, I mean, just yeah. to get real serious, like I know when we can have those conversations and when we can't and that works. So I think, I think that comes with time. Like that, yeah. that's something you have to make that choice. And sometimes it's not workable at all, but that's true. But, and it also comes from a place of love for yourself, right? You love your mother, but you mm-hmm. also exactly. love yourself. And, and we really mm-hmm. do teach people how to treat us. We do. Right. Right. It's, so the, yes. the more yes. crap we put up with, the more they think, well, they're not complaining. So this must be okay. 
right? And that's mm-hmm. where that divine circle around, I don't have to yell at you. I don't have to be nasty. I'm just not participating in this. Can you mention, uh, Jennifer, because I, I really like this. I love this. We talk about Neville Goddard and his uh, mm-hmm. teaching, practicing mm-hmm. imagination, believing mm-hmm. is seeing. We, you talk about how you, how you can use that as a tool to help other people. Yeah, and this sounds insane, okay? So I'm apologizing. <laughs> no, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. I, can, I cannot tell you how much this, how well this works. It's astonishing. So basically what you do, so let's say you have your mother or someone in your life and you can't just say I'm out. Like it's somebody, it's your kid mm-hmm. or it's your sister-in-law or someone you actually have to to be around and you're doing your best to kind of draw that circle and, and keep yourself in the state of love and, and, and protected with that boundary, but it's just really hard. What, so what we do in our lives is we spend inordinate amounts of time thinking about what we don't want. I mean, that's all we do. Mm. We focus on what we don't want, mm-hmm. what isn't working, what's wrong. And if we just took that energy and put it into what we do want, it makes a huge difference. So you start thinking about either any qualities at all that that person does have that you do admire, or mm-hmm. you start looking at other people and, and admiring how they listen or how kind they are. And you notice it in TV shows and you notice it everywhere else. So you start first of all, focusing your lens on those things, which is a huge signal to the brain about what you should now be looking for. And then you literally imagine that person, you go to sleep at night and you imagine that person being exactly the way that you want them to. So I I think it was Neville Goddard who gave an example of like someone at work or something that they had a a boss or somebody who's horrible. And of course, all we do when we have someone in our lives that we don't like is we have imaginary arguments with them in our head all day. (laughs) Yes. And and we're telling them all the things that we wish we could tell them. And then when we see them, we're like, hi. Right. So (laughs) we're we're living all that out, which of course the the midbrain doesn't know the difference between something that's really happening and something that you're imagining. So you're literally just stoking the, the fire, which is part of the dynamic with this person. Right. So what you're actually doing is you imagine, take that same amount of energy and imagine them saying, Oh my God, you did such a good job today. You know, I've been kind of crappy to you lately. And I'm really sorry about it. You just imagine them doing all the things that you wish that they would do. And the key which is the imagination, is to actually feel the way you would feel if that was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, Neville mm-hmm. Goddard teaches it in this whole kind of mani- you know, manifesting way, which I think is fascinating, but that's not even why I love it so much. I love it so much because what happens is it changes what your brain pays attention to, and it changes your micro expressions and the energy that you're putting out in a conversation. And so when you interact with that person, again, your brain is now having a different experience because it thinks it's gone a different way the last 40 times you've imagined it. Mm-hmm. You're now sending out a different vibe to that person and that person starts to respond. So, so, so it sounds so cool. It sounds crazy, but you're choosing your thoughts and what you're yep. telling, talking about, Jennifer, is that we can choose our thoughts and we can actually learn how to program our brains. We can actually exactly. learn how to drive our own brain and, and rewire it, change it, change the things that you attract, change the things right. that you're thinking. Exactly. And, and to Stephanie's point, this is, how, this is how you don't get so triggered because you've literally mm-hmm. rewired what triggers you and you now have a completely different response to that person which helps you activate all the other stuff that we've been talking about so it sounds crazy but when you think about it we spend so much mental energy just basically complaining that's what we all do right and if you have time to complain then you have time to do this stuff i'm teaching you 
That is so I, true. I go, I, I go on Oprah, by the way, in my, in my bathtub or in the shower. I have fake conversations with Dr. Phil. And for some reason, I'm always calling off Dr. Phil. I think everyone I does have fake I'm conversations with him. I'm mad yeah. at him. Like, well, he's, he's got a lot of anger, have, Dr. Phil. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I, I stepped on. No, no, no. He, 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 no, listen. I mean, uh, these, this, this stuff is either a conscious practice or it's an automatic thing that you do. So these mm -hmm. automatic things that, that we do, we don't think of as a practice. But really, every time you're thinking these thoughts and having these conversations with yourself and portraying the things that you don't want, you're practicing something. Mm -hmm. Although I will say mm -hmm. that I do, as a, as a funny person, I do think a lot of comedy is negative and I do think it, I like mm -hmm. to complain and I think it's fun, but I will tell you this. <laughs> I also have a gratitude practice and I think that's really important yeah. to balance it out. I, yeah. every single day with my other people that are sober, we send out to each other and I make sure that I list at least 10 things and not just super simple, like my house, food. I really try to think about it and get in touch with what I'm grateful for. I don't know. I think it balances it out. No, that's Absolutely. a beautiful yeah. practice. Yeah. Gratitude is medicine. Absolutely. It, it's it an really immediate is. antidote, an immediate antidote to what's going on, yeah. uh, to the other stuff that's going. It's yeah. amazing how you don't have to shift anything. You just, you just sit and start to orient yourself to be grateful, but feel, and to feel it and to be specific about it. That's and when, I, when I'm saying complaining, I don't mean complaining about really big things or unchangeable things or like, oh, my husband, this. I'm talking about, I like to complain about smaller things. You know, fun things <laughs> to complain about. I don't know. I, th I think I lost everybody here on this no, one. No, not at all. But no, 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 no. That's what our podcast is. <laughs> I know. I, I like so entertaining. complaining. There's like nothing listening. wrong with complaining. You just don't want to do that all the time because exactly. the brain actually sets itself. You will literally, the brain is an instrument. It's like a finely tuned instrument. And if you only are playing the notes of complaining, your whole biochemistry is going to match that, right? right. Mm -hmm. just, so I love the gratitude stuff. And it, like, it's, I don't want people to walk around and be like, these crazy enlightened beings. That's not fun. Like you got you gotta have some fun. But it's it's always about balance, right? And the biggest thing I want people to know about anger is that we're always the, everyone's the good guy in their story. Okay. That's that's the way that it is. Mm. We're always the good guy. Everyone's the good guy. Especially and me. <laughs> right. Of course. Why not? Um, true. And true. the other thing too is we have different <laughs> things that we carry around as like our moral I don't know, like, uh, it's almost like a trait, like, a, like our height and our weight. Like some of us are born just caring more about freedom and sovereignty and, you know, that kind of thing. And other people are just more concerned all the time with fairness and justice. And other mm -hmm. people are mm -hmm. really all concerned about like safety, right? So if you have two people in a conversation and one's talking about safety and one's talking about freedom, you're going to have a horrible conversation. And it's going right? to mm -hmm. be about masks. It's oh, going, right. <laughs> right. It yep. is. It's going to be about that. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. My husband and I went, we took the dogs to, to this beach the other day. And he's usually more about freedom, right? And I'm all about <laughs> safety. And so we're taking the dogs out of the car. We're in a parking lot and there's cars coming and we're, you know, we're pretty close to where the dogs go in. So my husband just lets them out and runs to the beach. 
and of course I see dread and cars running them over and mm-hmm. everything else. And, and I'm kind of feeling that. And, and normally we would have this kind of, and we've been married 30 years, we totally get each other, but I, you know, I'd say, why would you do that? And this time I decided, you know what, I'm going to approach this conversation really understanding where he's coming from. Like, where's his moral framework here? And I started with, you know what, I get it. We were close to the entrance. It took a bunch of time to put the leashes on. I know you're all about saving time and not being told what to do. So I totally get that. Before I even got my next sentence out, he's like, you know what? I know what. It probably drove you crazy that I didn't have the leashes on. I'll do it next time. Really, the whole thing took five seconds. Really, instead of being a three-hour thing where we're stomping around the beach, right? So mm-hmm. approaching the other person, especially if it's someone you know well, if you know, and kids, like teenagers, it's usually about freedom, right? They care more about freedom than masks and safety and, you know, social distancing and all of that stuff, right? It's not that they don't care about it, but freedom is, is certainly dominant for a teenager. And so if you approach the person and you understand where that, that they're their emphasis lies, you're going to have a much more productive conversation, even with the people online that are leaving crappy comments, right? So it, mm-hmm. it's, people are so messy. It's so complicated. We could do like a hundred shows just on this, but it, right. so people are the good guys in their story. That's the hard part. And people never see us the way we see ourselves. So when we're yelling, it's usually a hundred times worse than we think it is in our head. It right? is. It's, it's funny yeah. just in relation to what you're saying, because I do, I think of myself as such a great arguer and fighter with my husband. And I really think of myself as such a good listener and so fair. But if you hear my husband tell it, it's like, I do not listen at all. (laughs) I over talk. I talk him down. I never apologize. It's just funny because I know that he, my husband is a really nice guy. So he, Mm -hmm. he must have a point. But it's just funny that I just don't see, I really see myself kind of the opposite. And that's like, why, because we're always the good guy in our story. But we learn mm-hmm. and grow when we actually start listening, right? And, and my rule of thumb is if you hear the same thing from at least three people, mm-hmm. there's some truth in it. You better start listening. And, I love and that. It, I love it, that. Yeah. And it, it's like really being aware. Like, it's funny. I, I remember years ago having a conversation th- again with my son. It's like we fight all the time. We really don't. But this was another time where I don't know. I was mad at him for something. And I left him a voicemail. And I thought I was being so therapisty and so centered. <laughs> and, this, and, this, such a, and he's just going to see my point. And he came home and he said, I cannot believe the message you just left me. It's awful. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he played it for me. I was a total bitch. I had no idea that I sounded like that. I was like, oh my God, who is this? Right? So you you have to be willing to be elastic, right? To To be willing to look at all the different sides. There is no right or wrong, guys. There isn't. There's facets of right or wrong. It, it's just, it, you have to be willing as you grow as a, as a human being to kind of look at all sides and be willing to look inward. That's why I say just, if we just all try to be the fabulous person we want our spouses and our kids and our friends and our in-laws to be, and everybody did mm-hmm. that, we could literally change the world. Well, this is why I have Wasn't great, hope. I have great hope for it. You, well, there, was a, there was some kind of quote where she was like, it was something like, we're becoming the husband's we're becoming the husbands we want our husbands to be or oh, something I love that. like I'm that. It was a really, cool. it was a really, something yeah. like that. It was awesome. not exactly. Awesome. It. And it's so Same true. Idea. Yeah. It. Be the yeah. change you wish to see in the world. The great Gandhi. And he was, right. a, he was a very funny man. Great Gandhi. Except <laughs> when we become the husbands we want our husbands to be, then we start resenting them for not being the husband. Why do I have to be the husband? That's too long of a title for a book, but I get it. 
It's I a loop. It. Yeah. yeah. Here, the title could be People Are Messy. People Are it's Messy. It's a loop. And I like the Mary Poppins effect. That's my title that I'm holding on to for, for, the book, for a book. I also like Eat, Pray, Run, which is my <laughs> philosophy um, for anything. I like Eat, Pray, Hide. Eat, eat pray, pray, Hide. hide. Yeah. Eat, eat, pray, avoid. Mine. Pray, yeah. avoid. This is Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I think I love it. You know, before we say goodbye, and I, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. This is such a great conversation. There's a couple things. I do want to get to the movie therapist because I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. that. Um, but uh, I wanted to tell you there's a real sponsor. The ones that I make up are not real, but this one happens to be. <laughs> and it's a friend of mine. Her name is Natalie Ledwell, and she discovered and developed something called mind movies and what it is is it's a digital vision board it's a vision board that you use the software that actually helps you put everything together music whatever affirmations it's a it's a software that she has it's called mind mm -hmm. movies it's become pretty it. famous like a lot of people have heard about it around the world she's she's a very famous person but if you haven't heard about it I would really suggest that you check it out because what happens is you get to make this little movie. It's really easy. It's a drag and drop thing. It's a little movie. And then you watch it every morning and you get to see the life hmm. that you imagine for yourself. Hmm. And so it's actually kind of changed a lot of people's lives and it's called mindmovies.com. And that is a sponsor of the show, mindmovies.com. And, and, and I, and I want to get to this movie therapist thing. So, so Cecily is a film critic. She's been doing it for many years. You've seen a lot of movies with movie therapists. Are there mm -hmm. good ones and are there bad ones? And can you highlight a couple? Well, one thing I've noticed, I mean, the good ones, and Ed and I have talked about this just as friends. I mean, you want your therapist to be wearing a real fuzzy sweater like Judd Hirsch. Yes. You want him to be huggy. Yes. I want to, I want a hug. I have like, I need some sort of like inner, I like that. I like the Robin Williams, you know, he's kind of your friend. He's going to yep. tell you, he's going to tell it like it is. Like I like, you know, in Goodwill Hunting. The yeah. ones that I have issues with for me and that don't work for me in real life is, I feel like Meryl Streep has been a therapist in like 25 different movies where she, she just takes her glasses on and off and that's her way of like being wise. I love Meryl <laughs> Streep. Don't get me wrong. But doesn't she, she'll just say some, she'll take her glasses off she'll say something that's supposed to be important, then she'll put her glasses back on. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, take your glasses back off. <laughs> what was the thing? Well, what did I miss? I feel like that's, I don't, I don't like the colder. I like the, I like the therapists that are like, they're kind of your buddy, but, and they're going to tell you, they're going to tell it like it is. And at the beginning, uh, you know, it's sort of a lot of like, I don't know about this one, but then it's like, oh, they got me completely. But you know what I mean? But they're kind of your friends. Yes. It's a little tough lovey, but they're not cold. I don't need cold. Well, I I've like had cold. Yeah. You don't want That's cold. That's it. Yeah. I like cold. I don't want cold. Am I right? That... You do? Yeah. I don't want anybody trying to hug me after therapy. Stephanie. I, hate it. I know I why. Stephanie, why? Here's why. Because, okay, so Steph and I have talked about this a lot. I'm totally serious about it. It's okay to say this about our moms, right? Sure. We both have narcissistic moms. Steph's is one of the cold, that set the boundaries, very cold, very like can shun, shut you out. Mine is boundaryless. She's insane. She's totally insane. She's always on something, you know, whatever. She hugs too much. And I know that sounds like a weird complaint, but it's like, it's not really coming from a place where she, it's, she's probably high. <laughs> so it's wow. like a different, so what you want the therapist to be more a little bit like your mom. And I want mine to the mom that we kind of are designing in our heads. Interesting. Isn't that interesting. Yeah, that is very possible. 
I want to win like, over. You want the cold yeah. glasses. Yeah. You, you want a, like a statement necklace. <laughs> you, you know, like I always thought like Blythe Danner. She's always oh. a therapist and something. She's always wearing like an amazing statement necklace and she's a little cold. Yes, I like that. That's, See, that's my dream therapist. That's it. I like, I like a combination. Mm -hmm. I, you know, actually this is not from a movie and it's from a show that was so many years ago. But if you look it up, one of the best therapists ever in media was Ed Zwick, who became a director on 30-something. And Ed mm -hmm. created 30-something, but then he played the therapist in the show. And what's great about him is you want the warmth, but you want him to be a real mm -hmm. therapist, and he doesn't say a lot. A great Not therapist like doesn't have to, to say, say no, a lot. No, 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 no. I don't agree at all. They make you talk it out for 48 minutes and then your time is up and they have no, to I think, no. I, I, you know think they, I think they say it and then they leave a little space for you. Oh, but they know. Because I'm loving this conversation as a therapist. This is fabulous. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people need to know this. You need to shop for a therapist the way you shop for anything. Mm -hmm. You're a consumer yes. and you need to find a person because I don't care what your job is. If you're a salesperson, if you're a doctor, if you're a mechanic, it always, a teacher, it doesn't come down, I mean, training is important, but what it really comes down to is relationship, right? It mm -hmm. comes down to how you feel with that person and how that makes you feel, right? So you want to have someone that you have a good relationship with, but there's different types of therapy, like psychotherapy is supposed to be very cold. There should be no counter transference. They're not giving you any advice. They're, you're, they're literally bouncing stuff back and being very almost non-human in some ways. And then there's more relationship-based therapists and, and, and peop they're people, right? So as much as, as counter-transference, you know, we try to make that not happen. It does happen because we get triggered too by different clients, right? And you have to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. So shop around, like find someone who you, and you want it again, it's same as being a good parent. You don't want the wishy-washy parent who lets you have a popsicle for dinner. You don't. Kids say they do, but they don't. And they don't want the parents screaming at them either. They want the person who's balanced in, in the middle and wherever it's, you know what, Ed, it goes back to the standing in the canoe thing, right? Like you got to yes. find someone where your center of balance is. You're and always standing really in a important. canoe, which is one of the best things yeah. you've ever said. I love that. You're always standing in a canoe. You're trying to find, <laughs> sure. the, you're trying to find the balance. I've yeah. had some terrible yeah. therapists. I think I'm just scared about them because I've had some very non-professional therapists. Mm -hmm. Well, that's scary. And they need to be, you need to report well, people like that. But the yeah, truth is you can, yeah. you can learn from bad therapists and don't stay with them indefinitely. I'm not saying that. And you can learn from bad teachers, like negative experiences in our lives. We also, we learn a lot from, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. the other thing I talk about all the time is it, it, as long as you are sitting in the position of being a student, what can I learn? What did I learn from that? Did I, what did I learn that I wanted or didn't want in a therapist or whoever we're talking mm -hmm. about? Um, how, how's this going to make me a better person? What's my lesson? As long as that's the place where you're sitting, you have power. When you sit in the place victim, that person was awful, that person's mean, um, then you're mm -hmm. not going to have power. And, and the shopping is a big thing. You know, people, because when they go to therapy, they think they, they're vulnerable because they're looking for support and they think that they don't know best. Mm -hmm. They think that the yeah, therapist right. knows something. So right. true. The therapist doesn't know anything. The therapist is trained to be a therapist. They don't well, know. Help you figure out what you know. They're helping right? you. You right. are the expert. You yeah. are the expert. So you be the expert and make choices. You go to a therapist. It doesn't feel right. Get Sometimes, out of there. Get out of there. There's yeah. no need to continue. Yeah, but 
Sometimes you're in therapy, like you said at first, Ed, where you don't know how you feel or what you're supposed to feel. You need somebody to kind mm-hmm. of guide you and be the professional, but not that you're going to listen. But, and the relationship. It's the relationship. <laughs> how do I feel in here with this person? Yeah. Well, how do and, I feel in here with this? How do I feel yeah. talking to this particular person? Because they may not be the therapist for you. And I'm the king of staying with somebody <laughs> a long time who's not right for me. They're not right for me. Same. I, I want to jump in and say one thing that's really important, though. Therapy is not supposed to be comfortable. I and mean, it's not supposed to be uh-huh. awful. But you, there are sessions where you're digging up stuff. It, you're talking about things that are hard to talk about. Don't run the second it gets done. Give the person a chance to help you work through it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's really important. But if you truly in your gut feel uncomfortable or feel like the person is being unprofessional or they're talking about their own wife or something weird like that, that mm-hmm. trust your gut. Trust your gut. Listen right. to yourself. You, we are so much better than we think we are at being our own therapist. Honestly, there's so mm-hmm. much noise and so much chaos and we're so trained not to feel Every single one of us, if, if we can get there, can tune in to the, to the inner therapist. We all have one. We just don't listen to her or him. Mm-hmm. I like the right. self-parenting mm-hmm. thing, Jennifer. I like that the, yeah. the, you don't hear it a lot. You don't, you don't yeah. hear. That's not like a movement, self-parenting, but it should be. It should because, be. It because should you be need an... to think about it that way. You are yeah. parenting yourself. Okay. You are and taking you are... care of yourself. Exactly. And it's a exactly. lot cheaper to like be your own therapist. It really is. The higher <laughs> oh my God. No offense, Jennifer. No, it's very true. What could I buy? And oh my absolutely. God. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, oh. it's much cheaper. And, and my goal is to get people out of my office, not in, right? Yeah, that's I want right, people right. to learn what they need to learn and then move on. So right. self-parenting is, is really huge. And we, we happen to live, and this is probably a good place to kind of pull it all together. Yes. We live in a culture where we are not taught to trust our hearts. We're not t- taught to trust our intuition. We don't, we don't te- raise our kids that way. I'm cold. No, you're not. Put a sweater on. Like we, mm-hmm. we don't ever raise our children to actually listen to their own bodies and listen to their own feelings. Mm-hmm. If they're crying, we shove an iPad in their face. And if they didn't get the, if their kids aren't, their friends aren't in their class, we call the principal right away. Well, what are you doing? You're, they could actually make a whole bunch of new friends when they thought they couldn't. And when you rush and stick them in the class with their friends, you, you rob them of a really incredible moment in life that they could learn that they could get through. I think that's the most important thing. I want people to really hear that piece. Make space, Mm -hmm. make a little space. If you wanna wanna try an experiment, make a little space. Instead of jumping in, fixing the problem Mm -hmm. or reacting to the problem with yourself, with your feelings, with your thoughts, or with your kids or with your friends, pause, make a little space. I'm Ed Krasnick for the Space Makers. Um, no, no, I, I listen, listen, I can't thank you all enough uh, for doing this yes, show. Thank it's, you so much. Yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great time. And I, uh, I really want to thank, I want to thank uh, Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Steph, it's great to talk to you again. Thanks, Ed. It was really fun. Thank you. Oh, it was, you were wonderful. Uh, Stephanie Wilder Taylor, and what you look out for for Crying Out Loud, the podcast with uh, Lynette Carolla. Look out for Bored AF because Board that AF. is so entertaining, so entertaining. And that's uh, Cecily Nobler. Cecily, you're you're like a regular here, so you I love it. <laughs> I love it too, Jennifer. You're the, you're the, I mean, if I were to design the perfect person 
to talk me through everything. It's kind of you. I so, love it. I, don't I know love how we, you what right away. We can make. It was. I was so Same. excited when I saw you today. That's fantastic. Thank that you. That is true. And Jennifer Thanks. is coming. I'm bringing her to your home. Um, <laughs> she is coming to your house. Okay. Go wear a mask. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she'll be in your home. So you can't hide from Jennifer. But you can. And my you umbrella. Don't <laughs> she will be flying over. She'll be flying over uh, and, and bringing <laughs> the medicine that goes down. All right. Well, Lovely. listen, thanks, everybody. And uh, keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. This is Mental Health Comedy. Subscribe, listen, share, and have a really good week. Okay? Have a really good week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.